When I was studying at St. Bernard's in preparation for my ordination as a deacon, I took a course in preaching, homiletics. And the professor told us that if at least every once in a while the people in the congregation don't feel like rising up and throwing you off a cliff, then you're not really preaching the gospel. I've always been glad Savannah is so flat. (laughs) Being thrown into a potato field probably wouldn't hurt too much. Well, the very word gospel means good news, but sometimes it's hard to hear. There's tough things. I think that fits today's first reading when Peter is speaking to the people of Jerusalem. It's rather shocking, actually. Not long after the first Pentecost, uh, Peter stands up and says to the people, you denied the holy and righteous one. The author of life, you put to death. Wow, that's no soft soaping the gospel here. You put to death the author of life. Can anyone come up with a worse sin than that? Couldn't Peter have warmed up the crowd? Maybe spoken to their hopes and fears and affirmed them in their sincerity of life? Nope. You put to death the author of life. If we look back at last week's gospel, it's very similar to this one. In last week's gospel, just as in today's, the risen Lord suddenly appears in a room that is locked. No locked doors can keep out the risen Christ. And he says the same thing, and peace be with you, and he shows them his hands and his feet, the very marks of his crucifixion. And he gives them the charge to continue his mission. Last week he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And this week he says, this mission is to be preached to all the nations. And all of this begs the question, why did the Father send Jesus? Was it to teach us how to live? Well, sure, of course. By his word and his example, he taught us the way that we should live our lives. But Moses did receive the commandments and many others. What about calling us back to be faithful to the law? Of course, that's what our Lord did. But so had all the prophets of old. So there must be something really unique, unique to Jesus himself, that no other one shared. God sent his son to bring about the forgiveness of our sins. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Thus it is written, the risen Lord tells us today, that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations. This is good news. This is really good news. Really, really good news. For our own sins, our own sins, have brought the Holy and Righteous One, the author of life, to his death. They really have. And the good news, the really, really good news, is that he is risen and he is living still, and he wants nothing more than to have all people, all the nations, all those lost in sin, to turn to him in repentance and to receive forgiveness. Repent, therefore, Peter tells us today, and your sins 
may be wiped away. And more good news, more really, really good news. This was not just for those people in Jerusalem or those who were locked in that upper room, but this is for us as well. How comforting are the words of our second reading today when John the Evangelist, who was the only one of the apostles to stand at the foot of the cross and to watch as Jesus shed his last drop of blood as the price of our sin. John the Evangelist says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is expiation for our sins. This time of Easter reminds us of the explosive power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For the resurrection was not just a a way Jesus could prove his power to say, look at me, I can walk through a locked door. I can eat a piece of fish. No, the resurrection this time of Easter is a time of explosion, an explosion that has the power to destroy all the forces of sin and death and evil and hell. But from our limited understanding of God's will, we have to ask the question, why is there still evil? Why is there still sin? Why is there still suffering? And actually, we have to remember this. The answer is more simple than we might think. Because there's only one who is all-powerful. And his only weapon is love. God wants all to be saved. He wants none to be lost. And his patience, his patience is infinite. Were he simply to destroy all evil, so many would be lost. So many would not survive to receive his forgiveness. So you, brothers and sisters, what is to be done? You yourselves are to be agents. Agents of his forgiveness, agents of his mercy. You know, we heard last week in a very special way how he gave the authority to forgive sins to his apostles. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, he said. And we know how this has been passed down throughout the ages through apostolic succession and is expressed in a real and powerful way in the sacraments of baptism, of reconciliation, and of the anointing of the sick. But we all have a role, not just the clergy, all of us. All of us can show in our own lives the joy of living as a follower of Jesus Christ. Show in your own life what real Christian joy truly is. Be merciful in thought, in word, and in deed. Be merciful. And personally, remember to examine your conscience every day, to repent, and when needed, to go to confession. And strive with God's grace to keep his word treasured in your heart. For if you do, the love of God will be truly perfected in you. You know, on the first Pentecost Sunday, Peter preached in a similar way as he did in our gospel passage today. It didn't get him thrown off the cliff. But that very day, 3,000 people believed and were baptized. And I doubt any of us will ever have such spectacular results But if the world is to be one for Christ, you have a part to play. Do not be afraid to be his disciples. 
to be his missionaries of love, to be his apostles of mercy. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.